Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to an afternoon segment of Sticks in the Six here, brought to you by the fine folks at the Indy Ale House, as well as the Hockey Podcast Network. As you can see, I'm here, Andrew, with your with my co-host here, Peter Barracchini, and Alex will be joining us shortly. Um, episode 130, Peter, and uh, uh, we've been talking a little bit. Uh, normally, we take our break, our hiatus in August. I think we're going to kind of stick it out. We've we built a, a pretty solid following with all you listeners who, mm-hmm. who tune in weekly. So shout out to you guys for, for pushing us to continue the content throughout the summer. Um, hopefully, we can get a few guests on as the summer rolls through as well. Um, but before we dive into the few notes out of the Maple Leafs world this week, Peter, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Yeah, it's been a, been a quiet week and uh, less eventful than the one previously before with all the signings happening. Uh, not a whole lot going on, but you know what? That, I mean, that, that's just summer right now, you know? You, you're going to hit these, like, peaks and valleys in terms of, like, talking points and everything like that. But you know what? Like you said, it is what it is. Um, my week has been good, you know? Again, I, I, I'm very low-key. I'm very quiet, but today... Before I came on, did some uh, like morning shopping, got a lot of stuff out of the way. Um, been a while since I've actually gone to a mall and just like, you know, walk around and take the time to look at stores and stuff like that. So, you know what? First time in a long time, I managed to get a lot of things checked off my list to get some new wardrobes, get some, you know, get some new things for uh, the attire for the summer and everything like that. So, yeah, that was, again, it may seem kind of boring, but, you know, that was my highlight of the day. <laughs> Buddy, the dog days of summer for hockey and for uh, what we what we have going on. I mean, it's everyday life. Yeah, it's it's a hot one out there, so I can understand yeah. that. Like, uh, it's it's been a it's been a hot week. It's either been raining or it's been overly mm-hmm. humid, and there's not a lot you want to get out and do when it's like that. I mean, even the beach can be tough when it's humid and the, yeah. the air quality is kind of shit. And um, but you know, you know, it's uh, like you said, it's the dog days, and we kind of we we kind of power through it so that we can enjoy uh, what's to come in the coming months. Here, um, we've been through the the draft, we've been through the first week and a bit of free agency. We have arbitration coming up. Only one one Maple Leaf on that this uh, on that list this this season. So that's uh, that's always a good thing to to do. Um, before we get into that, though, I wanna I wanna get something off my chest in terms of. 
um, something that grinds my gears. Now, you and I have been writing for the Hockey Writers for a number of years now. Um, mm-hmm. Great, great publication to uh, to write for. Um, they do quality work. Dean, Kyle, um, Bruce, shout out to them for what they do. Matt, for what he does as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things that we did in the early days, and I've been I've been writing for them. I'm in my 10th year at the Hockey Writers, so I've been writing them for them for 10 years, is, is – you you share you share your work you share the work on your socials whether it be Twitter Facebook uh, threads now if you're into threads. that blue um, sky if you have a code. blue sky if you have a code <laughs> like all these all these secret uh, Illuminati groups that you're a part of now um, but uh, uh, we're, the, we're going there we're going there the one the one thing that aggravated me this week and I've been so I've been part of this. Maple Leafs fan group on Facebook for some time and there's thousands and thousands of people on it and I've been sharing my work to it for for 10 years um and to create conversation because to me a fan group on any social platform is to create conversation that's what reddit's for that's what you know it's it's to create that dialogue surrounding the the team never have I had an issue okay until until this week <laughs> until this week and I, I i shared the nylander piece and i don't know if this this admin and it's not even the, the the head of the group it's it's one of their admins um contacted me uh through private message on messenger uh so i i got a message request because obviously i don't have this person on on facebook and wrote uh <laughs> Here it's it's a blurred message because of the content uh, it uh, it may have. Um, rule four of the group now says, and and this is this is all she said. Don't post your blogs on Toronto Maple Leaf Central! Exclamation mark. No, hey, sorry, I, I noticed this was something that uh, you know. It, it, I mean, just so I had to I had to bite my tongue. Uh, one of the things that we we do is we don't always write back to commenters on our piece. We were discussing this before we hit record here because uh, some of the some of them are just trolls. Some of them are just looking for a reaction. But to me, that was like one of the most ignorant ways to approach something when somebody's a part of your group to create dialogue surrounding a team that everybody in the group is apparently a fan of. Why are you why are you not wanting to create the dialogue? Yeah, people are going to comment. It creates conversation. It it it, it creates group. Um, it creates more activity on the group as well, like the interactions, everything. Interactions. It creates a community, and instead, you've got somebody writing, "Don't post this on the." Anyways, it grinds my gears. It would have been nice to just get a quick one. Hey, you know, maybe you can check out Rule Four of this ad, this group. I, I'm one of the admins. Blah 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 blah. Anyways. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, to me, it was just uh, one of those things that uh, I got it. And I was like, man, I got to bite my tongue. So shout out to Mary Cecilia McPhee. Stay classy. <laughs> Stay classy, Maple Leaf Central. Um, full name drop. Uh, the full name drop. <laughs> me on Facebook, unless you don't want to be called out on this uh, on this pod. We've had people do that before, and I've called them out. So oh, yeah. You guys know. You know who you are. I, I we, we definitely. We're not getting yeah. into that. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, um, let's get let's get into the conversation around the NHL this week. Um, actually, one more note before we get into that. I wanted to shout out uh, women's hockey. Um, obviously, the creation of the new league, uh, huge stepping stone in the right direction for for women's hockey, and um, it's gonna be it's gonna be great to see the the steps forward they take. Hopefully, in the next couple of years. I see you smirking there. I'm, I'm assuming you're checking out my cat. I saw, I, I, my cat the on the cat side just here. made the guest appearance. Just popped up out of nowhere, and I can't help but laugh at that. These, you know what? These fucking cats. Every time we're podcasting, <laughs> I swear to God, I think they they they're trying to make me look like an old de- decrepit cat guy. But uh, anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> so shout saying, out, yeah. shout out to women's hockey yes. for taking that right step in in in, in that direction, and hopefully it continues to progress that way. I know the, I know the money's starting to come over. And, Clearly not uh, not as high as it is in the NHL, but um, you you know you're seeing some players earn more of a lim- uh, respectable wage when it comes to professional sports. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully we can continue to see that progress as well. Um, but the NHL, um, not a lot of news as you mentioned off the top of the show um, in terms of you know signings and and trades and whatnot. But we did have one yesterday. Uh, as Alex DeBrincat was traded to the Detroit Red Wings, and 
eventually signed a was it was seven year was a five year deal five year deal four yeah four, four or five, five year deal uh, for just over seven point three I believe um, I'm gonna look that up but um, four year deal four year deal AAV of seven point eight seven five oh not even fucking close Jesus yeah. <laughs> oh my God okay anyways um so seven point eight like wow okay um. Anyways, so Alex DeBrincat is staying in the Atlantic Division. Um, Full value is $31.5 million. $31.5 million. Okay, over four years. Not bad, not bad. Anyways, he's out of Ottawa. He's in Detroit. All of a sudden, the Red Wings are looking relatively good. I thought, I don't know about you, but I thought the return for Alex DeBrincat was minimal, um, especially because the, the, the conditional first-round pick I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming the condition is top 10 protect, protected. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that assumption, I don't know. Detroit Detroit was a bubble team last year. They, they were getting close uh, three quarters of the way through the season and, and just kind of tailed off at the end. What, what were your thoughts on the trade and, and your thoughts on the, the subsequent deal that, uh, that DeBrinket got with, with the Red Wings? I mean, it's a great pickup for Detroit. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Th- this is a team that's like looking to take that next step. Now, the big thing is, is the defense going to hold up? Is the goaltending going to hold hold up? Because you know, we saw Vili Huso had his mo- had his moments last year, last season as well. Um, obviously, the forward group looks absolutely amazing. You know, they replaced. Um, the absence of Tyler Bertuzzi, you get a little bit more of a dynamic player and shooter in Debrinkat. But for Ottawa, I, I, before I go to Ottawa, the big thing for Detroit is, again, I, is this enough to, to like move the needle forward and make them a little bit more competitive? On paper, up front, yes. But again, the big issue lies in the back end. And if they're able to solidify their defensive core, the goaltending, if it's you know consistent, maybe they can make a jump. Derek uh, Neumeier had a great comment about the trade itself where – he doesn't know, or he basically said Detroit is closer to finishing seventh in the Atlantic than they are to making the playoffs. So obviously we need to see what happens, but if the, if this doesn't really make any headway for Detroit, that's looking to make some massive jumps forward, then maybe you got to go back to the drawing board, but you know, he does provide a great offense. He provides a shot and, you know, being on that top line with Larkin, you know, hometown boys kind of thing. I think that's great to see. For Ottawa, yeah, the return was very, very underwhelming. I mean, Dominic Kubelik, I don't think he's going to pop off at any point whatsoever with Ottawa. I think it's a bit of a downgrade, but then again, you're in a tough situation, right? Um, you know, he had 45 points, but then again, you're you're giving up a guy that's like capable of 60-70 for a guy that's 45. And if the big thing is... You know, a defenseman like Donovan Sabrango, who I absolutely love as a prospect, he's really not – he's able to make the roster great, but I think he still needs some more time to develop. And then the conditional first, like you said, top 10 can be hit or miss. And if they – it's not top 10 protected, they get it. And if they, they're they inside the top 10 again, then, you know, that pick is essentially gone. Um, that's off the table. But, yeah, I – it seems like more of a win for Detroit than it is for Ottawa at this point, because you don't have a lot of, if the, and again, Ottawa is in the same boat as Detroit right now. If you're trying to like get further up in the Eastern conference, and I know we're going to talk about that later, it really doesn't help much because you lost a premier goal scorer in the Cat. And we saw like, you know, the kind of chemistry that he, I believe he was with, you know, Kachuk last season, or he played in the top six relatively consistently if he was able to have that kind of production and replicate that with Detroit, great. But you, you're not going to get that from Cuba league. Who's, you know, at best 40, 50 points. And that seems like a bit of a downgrade if he's the main piece or asset that you're getting in return. Yeah. I think uh, what struck me as odd is, I mean, you had all these, all these people out of the Ottawa fan base last season, prior to the year talking about how Ottawa's, Ottawa's better than Toronto and uh, the Senators are going to be in the playoffs and Toronto is going to miss out on the first round once again. And all of a sudden you're, you know, the question is, you know, now, now Ottawa's traded away one of their biggest assets from last season. And 
not only traded him away, but kept him within the division, ultimately making the Detroit Red Wings much better. And Detroit, like I said to you, was on the verge last season of taking that next step towards the playoffs. I'm not saying they're a playoff team this season. We'll get into the Atlantic division a little bit later, but I, I just think like now you've, you've put a huge not and you've affected your future ultimately over the next four years, because Debrinkat's going to be staying within the division. Now in saying that, I mean, you look back at some of the numbers for Debrinkat over the last you know few years and he's a 40 goal scorer, but he's a guy that's also shown some inconsistencies in his game over that time as well. So that's why you know when you look at the 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 contract is is understandable. Once you once you're a guy that's hit 40 goals, I think you know anything north of seven million in in today's NHL is something that you can expect. But um, he's a guy that like you know they're they're gonna have to push him to to, to maintain that pace because uh, he's a guy that can go quiet very very quickly. And I think we saw that in Ottawa last season where he he did have mm-hmm. moments where you know you almost forgot that the Brinkett was an Ottawa Senator. And I think, you know, you could, that can happen very quickly in Detroit as well. So. And that was the um, thing with Ottawa too. Kind of like Detroit hit or miss at times. They would go on hot streaks, but then when they're on cold streaks, everyone got affected by that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Alex, welcome. Uh, welcome. Welcome. My friend. Uh, how are you doing this, uh, this, this week, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I, the whole trouble of getting my setup all put together and i couldn't for the life of me figure out why my wi-fi wasn't working and then i remembered we switched modems last week so i made a lot of progress only to get humbled at the last second but i'm here right now so um yeah it's been a it's been a good week i've been uh, very fixated on this this puck doku game I'm, i don't know if you guys have been playing i've been watching you what I, it, what I, it, like i jumped on it because of you and the first two days went nine for nine and then today I think I shit the bed today. I, oh. I missed like four How shots. How do you miss the bed? The Leafs were a column today. I know. I had that whole column. And then and then I was like, I had the 40 goals. Then I was like, I was looking at the, was it the Ottawa column? The other, and I was like, man, I don't know any senators. Oh, man. <laughs> do I hate them that much? Oh jeez. Okay, yeah, Peter. Uh, we'll we'll talk after the show. But you got yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, man. It's it is ridiculously fun. I have to get on that. It um, tests your knowledge, boys. It the... tests your knowledge big time. I'll, I'll tell you right now, as a guy who prides himself on being very like in the know when it comes to guys and just random guys in the league and you know just naming random players, this game humbled me quite a bit in the first couple days. But yo, I pulled I pulled out Jack Skilly the other day. Okay, That's Jack a... Skilly, Ooh. and then. That's a um, game. It might have been today, even with Ottawa. Was he Colorado and Ottawa? Was that one of the options? Colorado, yeah, Colorado and Ottawa. Er, so, no, wait. Um, sorry, I got it right in front of me. Uh, yes, it was Colorado and Ottawa was one of the options. So, yeah, it might have been today. So I pulled, I pulled that one out of the hat, and then I'm looking at the rest, and I'm like, <laughs> like I, I think I even threw Carol Raccoonick down at one point. I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> Man, names names that are coming out of nowhere. Man, I'll tell you, I was the, the name that I was most proud of today was for the Leafs and Capitals column. Guess sorry, I I, I joined this. I joined Brooks this lot. Totally threw the pot off the rails. My bad. No, but, no, no. Yeah, I, Leafs and Capitals. Guess who I picked for that? I, I was in the one percent that picked this. Brooks like. Nope. Oh, okay. It's even better than Brooks like. Connor Brown. Nope. I I did Brown for Ottawa, Washington. That was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Eric Gustafson. Nope. Oh. Ilya Samsonov. Nope. <laughs> I have no idea. I went David Steckel. Steckel. I was about to say that. I'm like, wait, there has to be another centerman. I'm like, oh my right. god. David Steckel was a leaf. Wow. Yeah. Oh, was- we're having so much fun right now. Yeah, boys. I'm wow. telling you, you got it. This is. If you ever, if you guys were ever, were you guys ever on the Wordle hype? hype I still team? am. We have, Wordle, I have, Hurdle. I have a yeah. family chat going with my my in laws. Where we oh, all yeah. do world, uh, we try yeah. to do it every day. So, so when I they when they miss, I take it as a challenge to get it done, and I did that today. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. Um, I, I haven't really played world to the extent that I did when it came out because when when it came out, it was like the way Puck Doku is now, where everybody is just sharing their scores and talking about it. But so I, I haven't been playing it like as seriously as as I was back then. But the thing is, is my grandma discovered it about a year after it became popular. So. She sends me her score every day, and I'm not going to be the world's worst grandson and not. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, I'm going to play with her. But 
dude, I'm telling you, this Buck Doku game is like, I actually look forward to going to bed the night before just because I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what obscure NHL players I can come up with. Tomorrow. David Steckel, man. <laughs> Another oh. one I was really proud of from a couple weeks ago. You had to get a Hab and a Bruin, and I went Jared Tenorti. Jared Tenorti, <laughs> that's a good one, too. Michael Ryder. Yeah, Michael Ryder would have been a good one. For, for the Flames and Flyers, I went Tyler Pitlick, which I think is my – my best one to date. Oh, that's a good one too. That's a good one too. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Well, I had to, I had to get that off my chest cause I was having a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we were, yeah. When you, when you jumped on here, we we're just talking to bring senators and to bring cat. Cause the, the first thing, the first thing that I heard was, I, I don't think Ottawa is going to, I think I, I don't I, No, Sorry. The first thing that I heard was you mocking senators fans saying, Oh, we think we're going to be better than the Leafs. Yeah, more, 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 uh, hear more Sean Simpson, but I feel oh, bad God. mocking him now that he's out of a job. So, <laughs> oh, that's um, <laughs> but any, anywho, what your, your thoughts, Alex, on the return that the, the Sens got? Cause we, I think, Al, or uh, I think Peter and I both agree that, I mean, the Sens, Sens kind of got, kind of got shafted on this deal, but also the, the, the subsequent deal that DeBrinket signs with the Red Wings. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I don't think specifically the return for him is the part that, that 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 makes me think it's a bad deal. I think, like you guys, I'm sure you touched on already, it's the fact that they traded the seventh overall pick the year before to get the Brinkett, and there was this whole mm. idea that, you, you know, you're giving up the hefty price for him because you're going to be able to get him to an extension, and then they can't get him to an extension, and they end up having to trade him in division, and then they get less of a return. I think I know it was a one-for-one one trade last year, I think was it one for one? It's just the pick. For I think the there were other pieces of there ball. Were, but you yeah. even got a sense that even when the trade happened, that it probably wasn't going to end well. I think yeah. I think they got two first rounders and it was either two first rounders in a second or a first and two seconds. But either way, um, it, I think that the return that they got this time around, as opposed to what they paid up for them, was was lesser and had less value. And like you guys said, the whole trading them in the division thing, like this guy is got the opportunity to play against you four or five times a year for the next four years. And the thing about the Red Wings, I actually like the deal that they signed him to because the way I see it, they're only paying for his good years. So, mm-hmm. you know, if he comes out and he scores, I heard you say, Andrew, that when you score 40 goals, the, the you know, it's open season. Like you can get any number, like teams could, you can use that as leverage and some team will bite and give you way too much. I think that getting him at just over $7 million for a guy that scored 40 goals before is a pretty decent, pretty decent value contract. And you don't even have to worry about accidentally overpaying him right now. And then having to pay him that same price in his early thirties, because like you said, the price is only for the next four years. So you're paying for his best years. I think the contract itself is pretty good, but in terms of the, the trade, I'm not sure I'd, I'd be happy with it. If I'm a sense fan. Well, the nice part too, though, I will say though, just to preface, no disrespect to the players going back to the Senators. They're both Kitchener Rangers. So yeah, yeah. Dominic Kubalik and, and Donovan Sabrango, both Rangers legends. So I got respect for both of them. Uh, the, the thing too is like, I mean, you can reevaluate in four years and decide if you're if you're Detroit, if if Debrinkat is worth keeping at whatever you know cap hit you're gonna give have to give him at that point. And obviously the cap's gonna rise in the in the coming years. But um just to just to note that Blockhawks trade, it was a, a 2022 first rounder, which was uh seventh overall Kevin Korczynski. Uh the 2022 second round pick number 39 overall Paul Ludwinski and uh something with the Inskis here. Um and then a 2024 third round pick as well. So we've got another pick coming uh as part of that deal um next year. So um, you like that Inski part. I love uh, it. <laughs> it's just like, man, I'm creating like a little, little poem here. Um, little haiku, uh, uh, these afternoon pods boys. Um, it's so yeah, fun. I, the, the, I guess the next question coming off this whole, the brink at trade though, is how does it influence the Leafs and the William Nylander talk? Because age in this question, how does the age old question, it always and, comes back to Toronto boys. And it seems it like it comes back. Go to Maple Leafs aggregator for a second. You'll see that basically every second headline is Nylander, Nylander, Nylander demands. What is he asking for? How are we going to sign him? Are we going to sign him? Maybe we'll trade him. And then the, uh, the old tree living is not afraid to trade him, trade him. Um, but uh, my, my question is, and the reason I ask it is because there is, there is conversation out there regarding, you know, the comparison bet- between the two players. Um 
I know Banksy on on Twitter at uh, Banks underscore Leaf. The last three years, William Nylander, 214 games played, 91 goals, 209 points. Alex DeBrinkett, 216 games played, 100 goals, 200 points. So nine points shy, um, but he has nine goal, nine more goals. Um, so, I mean, we, we mentioned the 40-goal thing. Obviously, now Nylander is part of that conversation. At the same time, the success isn't there when it comes to the Leafs as a whole. And I think that's the, the the thing that's holding a lot of people back on wanting to give this guy $10 million. Now, this is the same conversation that we had when his last contract was signed prior to the 2018-19 season he held out. Um, we can have the conversation about Michael Nylander being a guy that held out multiple times over his career because I know that's a conversation that's been had as well. Or we can talk about Nylander's agent who if you go through a list of his clients there was a tweet out there uh, a while back and I didn't I don't didn't take note of it but there's I think six or seven of his clients that have either held out or asked for trade or or signed more as a as a UFA than they would have with their their current squad so um I mean, there, there's a lot of talking points here, but Alex, your thoughts on Nylander and how does this Debrinkat deal affect the Nylander conversation? Oh, I am not looking forward to the next couple months talking about contracts, boys. I got to tell you, <laughs> this is my least favorite tradition with Leafs. Anyways, um, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say because I think Nylander has shown more in his time in the league than than Debrinkat has, and that's no mm-hmm. disrespect to Debrinkat because he's, you know. Not everybody you can you can make the argument, oh, he played with Kane, he played with Taze, et cetera, but not everybody can slide in with those guys and and immediately produce. We saw it with Nick Ritchie a couple of years ago with Matthews and Marner. It doesn't work for everybody. So he is a great player, and I think he is going to he is going to make that Detroit forward group look a little more serious. But I don't think that the Nylander contract is really going to I don't think it's gonna really I don't think the two things are gonna coincide with each other because I think they're different players. And as much as I would love people to like take those contracts and use them as comparables and say, Hey, you know, to bring it signed for just over $7 million, when are you bumping your number down below nine? I just don't think Willie is, I don't think Willie and Lewis gross are going to be budged by that Forbes. You mentioned the tweet and I think I know the exact tweet you're talking about. I unfortunately can't remember where it came from either, but I know that it, there was a lengthy list of, of Lewis gross clients that walked away or held out with their contract situations and I just don't see how out of all the things that have happened, out of all the comparisons that have made and things like that, I just don't see how the Debrinket thing stacks up to that and how that's going to make a difference. I think that I think that it's it's ultimately going to come down to who budges first between the two parties, if any of them do. And from there, I mean, I, I don't see True Living being the one budging. So I don't want to speculate on a trade yet, but we'll have to see what happens. Peter, I, I think... You know, one of the biggest question marks too is is everything that was said by Nylander after the season was I want to be in Toronto, I want to be in Maple Leaf, I want to play for this team for a long time. And now the, the conversation obviously comes up, and and there's people that believe that he took a pay cut with his last uh, his last um, contract that he signed. And you know, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that at the time I thought he was overpaid at six point nine, and and. You know, and he's obviously been one of the more consistent players for the Leafs over the last, you know, three, four seasons um, and, and has ultimately gotten better over the last three, four seasons as well. Obviously, we look at the 40 goal season that he just had. Um, so I, I want to get your thoughts on like when a player says something like that after the season ends and, you know, obviously everyone buys in because they want to believe that Nylander is this team guy. Now you have, you know, Matthew saying that, you know, he's willing to take a cut to win. Um, Nylander's asking for $10 million, which at this point in time, we don't know if that's essentially affordable for the Maple Leafs next season. You know, what are your thoughts on Nylander? And, and is he a $10 million guy? Or are we talking about maybe a guy that should be looking at more of than $8.5 to $9 million range? I mean, he sees himself as a $10.0 million guy. Would I see him as that? No, I think that 8.5, 9.5 is relatively a little bit more reasonable. When you're looking at like 10 million guys, you're looking at guys that have won hardware that are in contention for awards that are like, you know, 
I mean, I, I was going to say playoff performers, but we, he is a playoff performer, but he hasn't gotten the accolades or the nominations that he would get from a Matthews, a Marner. Um, hell, even Matthew Kachuk, like that $9.5 million kind of looks like a steal for the Florida Panthers right now because considering the season and playoffs that he had, he looks like, you know, $11, $12 million guy. But at the same time, you know, given where the Maple Leafs are right now, it, it is outside their wheelhouse. And maybe, you know, when Pierre-Luc Dubois signed his contract, I think he's like, what, 8, 8.5? I think that was Nylander's camp basically say if they're approaching the no negotiation table where you're saying, well, if, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, like a guy who's second line center, you know, guy who hasn't even cracked or barely cracked 60 points a season, is worth 8.5. I'm definitely worth more than that. Now you have this deal where Forbes, you mentioned the stats between him and DeBrinkett are very similar and comparable Maybe now this is the and I and I kind of agree with Alex. I highly doubt that you know the Maple Leafs are or Nylander is going to budge as a result of these numbers, but that seems like an even more fair comparable. Where you know, yeah, he's not worth you know the seven figures, but maybe that eight point five to nine point five range, he's definitely deserving of that. Or even if you just go maybe just a shade under nine point eight. But then again, and not only that, with the cap going up, there's that issue. So maybe you try and work something out where maybe the first year or two, it's in that range that the Maple Leafs want. But then in years three to eight or something like that, maybe it increased halfway and then it goes down. Because again, we don't know what the cap is going to be like. But then again, Nylander, like Alex said, Nylander did take a cut in his last contract. Now this is a time to say, hey, I want to get paid. Why should I have to take another cut on top of everybody else saying that they're going to take a cut kind of thing? Um, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to see how this is going to play out. I don't envy both sides because, you know, this is probably going to be another situation where it's going to go down to the wire. And, you know, if you have to trade Nylander to get assets in return instead of letting him walk, you might as well just do it because you don't want that to happen where he walks for nothing next season. Yeah, I was going to say you don't want it to be a Johnny Goudreau situation, right? And, and, yeah. and I, I think the tough part is now, you know, his no movement clause kicked in. Um, so obviously there's a 10 team, 10 team no trade clause, no, no trade move, no trade list. No trade list. I, I, I'm yeah. trying to figure out what I'm saying here, but um, <laughs> 10 team no trade list. Yeah. 10 team no trade list. The other thing worth noting is that in the NHL, in, in next, in 2024, there's going to be a total of 13 players with, uh, double digit uh, contract. So a, a cap hit of over 10 million, there's 13 players. The Leafs have three of them. Um, they, if they sign Nylander to a $10 million contract, you're looking at the Leafs having four of 14. Um, and all of a sudden the conversation becomes, can the Leafs afford to have four guys at 40 million plus? Um, and, and that's a tough conversation to have when you're trying to, to impress a fan base and, and have a winning pedigree when it comes to playoff time and you know you you kind of mentioned it you touched on a little bit peter and said that you know nylander is a guy that has over the last couple of seasons been their playoff performer he's been probably their most consistent playoff performer to be honest um and you know as much as we talk about the lack of physical play when it comes to nylander his 200 foot game is probably one of the more underrated 200 feet game foot games in the NHL at this point in terms of what he can do with his takeaways, what he does in the neutral zone. Um, you know, we don't see him in all situations. We don't see him shorthanded most of the time, but he's a guy that maybe could be, uh, you know, if, if you're paying a guy 10 million, you want him to be on the ice as much as possible. You want him to be able to play it, you know, on the penalty kill. You want him to be, I think there's a lot of things that you want from Nylander to make him a $10 million guy. And tree living just doesn't see him as that which is why I wrote that piece about true living is not afraid to make that move. And, and if you look at him historically as a GM, he has moved big names and, 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 you know, you talk about to Chuck, you talk about, you know, the Monaghan move. He was, he was forced into the to Chuck deal. So, yeah. you know, you can't really include that at the same time. Some of the names that he's brought in, some of the names he's, he's been forced to move. He's not afraid to go out there and find his worth in that deal and make a deal that benefits the team. And I think that's the biggest note to take away from this. If he feels that it's going to come down to like, if this going to, if, if this is going to be a messy contract situation and yeah, maybe you get him signed for four years at let's say 9.8, but 
you know, the, the team's not extremely happy with the negotiations. Nylander's not extremely happy with the negotiations. All of a sudden you have a disgruntled player in the room. That's not the culture you want to have in the room either. No. So then you have to have the conversation of trading him anyways, because you don't want to have that mentality inside the dressing room. So I think that's where I was going with that piece when I wrote it as well is just like, you know, where is this, where is this going to end up? Because if it's a dicey negotiation, it's not going to be pretty even for the length of the, of the contract. Um, and I think that's the conversation that needs to be had. But I, you know, at the end of the day, if, 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 I, I don't know, is, is, is Debrinkat comparable to Nylander? I, Alex says no. Peter, I mean, what's, what's your take on that? Is that a conversation that they, they need to have in house and say, like, this is the deal that he got? We're standing firm at like, 8.5 or 9.3 or what have you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah, even Alex said, like he touched on it, that they're two different players in regards where, you know, although aside from the fact that, you know, they could both score they could both produce, they could both, you know, uh, you know, distribute the puck extremely well. They're both quick in transition. Like you do see similarities to their game all, all by, you know, the height and weight factor being the big one or big difference between the two. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're both consistent per offensive producers. That, that is the main thing. And, you know, the brinkhead hasn't quite had the success as of late because of the fact that he was on, you know, a declining Chicago Blackhawks team, but, you know, still putting up 78 points on a bad Chicago Blackhawks team is very impressive. 41 goals. Um, twice with the Hawks as well, 2018, 19, and then again, uh, in 21, 22 last season, still productive with the Sens. So, you know, the fact that you have a back-to-back 40 goal guy, Nylander or not back-to-back, but a 40 goal guy, two times in the break at a one forty goal guy in Nylander. I mean, kind of give the edge of the break at there. And he's taken much less, but then again, you also have to look at the tax situation as well. Uh, Canada and everything like that. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely universal. universal throughout the league is what they need. Universal. Yeah. You live in a no tax state. They need to find a way to make it even so that players do want to come north of the border, play in places like yeah. Toronto, Ottawa, Winnipeg. You know, Winnipeg, you should get a bonus for having to live live through the the <laughs> shitty snow <laughs> season. But, um, anyways, I, I I think it's you know it's a conversation that we're gonna have throughout the off season. Um, Alex, as you mentioned uh, in our, our conversation on our Slack channel there that, you know, we won't have you for most of August, so you won't have to sit here and listen to us uh, ramble on about the, <laughs> the, the contract situations Boys, I, in I Toronto. Mean, I hope for your sake that the contract is signed next week so you don't have to listen to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the I, thing here. We I guarantee yeah. in August we're still going to be talking about this. We're, we're going to be calling it. you in Europe to say, hey, Alex, what's your take on the Nylander situation now that he's declared that he's holding out for the next three months? Oh, my God. Boys, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be scrambling around and like just completely half in the bag in some bar in Barcelona. Like, oh my god, <laughs> what Live a steal! What a steal! Six pod reaction. Oh, everyone's got like Ronaldo jerseys on around you. Like you're just trying to. <laughs> Alex is there with a new Nylander jersey. Yeah. Are you going yeah, to a sports store and get Nylander crested in uh, Barcelona? <laughs> that's right. If I didn't have to really watch the amount of space that I have for stuff that I pack. I would definitely bring a Leafs jersey. <laughs> Man, I did it. I did it for Banff, but I know you're 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 in a different story because you're going to be there for for a few weeks there, and you're mm-hmm. you're going to be bouncing around. So it's also going to be uh, super hot. It's going to be the like middle to end of August. So. <laughs> oh man, it's going to be it's going to be a hell of a time for you. But um, yeah, guys, let's uh, let's jump over to the 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 Ronnie Hervenen hit uh, in in development camp. Um, uh yeah, uh, Peter, it, it's it's definitely a polarizing hit. Uh, I, I I know on. On Leafs, uh, Leafs socials, we've seen both sides of it. People saying, you know, obviously this is a guy battling for a roster spot in uh, Nolan Dillingham um, as a, as a as a development camp invite. Um, but uh, there's some that uh, agree that hey, this this you know, there's no place for this when you're when you're playing against potential teammates. Peter, where do you sit on this fence? Um, everybody could say how clean it was. Like, obviously you look at the size differential between the two Dillingham being at the height that he is here, being a smaller player. I totally get that. And there was no, 
you know, hit to the head kind of thing. Like even uh, Dr. Haley Wickenheiser said it was a clean hit. You know, we, 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 she has said that um, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, all this is, a, is a development camp. You're not really looking for you. Yeah. You're kind of looking for a contract, but who gets signed out of a development camp after a two, three day thing, hardly anybody does. And in this instance where you want to make a name for yourself, you want to stand out. But in the instance where you take down one of the top prospects on this in the system, that to me seems like you're kind of crossing the line right there. Oh, wait, who is Ronnie Hirvinen, right? Don't don't call him a top prospect. Don't call oh, him a top prospect. Oh, yeah, don't, <laughs> like, don't want to ruffle some feathers there. Jesus. But um, shout I'm, out James Tanner and his uh, his Reservoir Dogs uh, alias that uh, he comments. You know on what? Things. I'm still calling him a top prospect. <laughs> if you're in the top ten, you're a top prospect. So the fact that you know you have that mentality going in, I, I, I highly doubt that he wanted to like go and attack him or like make that kind of instance but you know what there is a point where you got to take a step back it is a development camp this isn't training camp this isn't preseason this isn't the rookie tournament there is like like a lot of time for you to try and make your impact i don't think this is one of them i you look back to we even talked on air and i found it right now this it's a little bit of a different situation but the hit that Clark MacArthur sustained after returning from a blindside hit from a younger player in Pat Siloff who was trying to make a name for himself. And then, you know, things got ugly very quickly. I believe Bobby Ryan jumped in there to send a message, you know, what the hell are you doing kind of thing. I don't know if the same message could have been sent here, but you know what? There is something where it's like, you know what? Take a step back. It is development camp for a reason. You're there to hone your skills. You're there to develop and improve on everything. You're not there to take somebody out as a result of trying to make a statement. Um, everybody like can agree or disagree with that. I really don't care. That's just how I feel. I, I think that you know it crossed a bit of a line there. Alex, an invite to development camp, trying to make a name for himself, trying to get a contract. Your thoughts on the Hervin and hit? Yeah, I mean, Peter pretty much tackled it. I, I, I think that it's it, it's one of those things where I do see both sides of it. Unlike some debates where there's where there people like to say there's well, there's two sides to it, but there's usually not. This one, I actually do think there are two sides to it. Because in this case, I understand that there's a kid here who's known for being defensive, known for being physical, and you, you, you want to catch your management's eye of the team that invited you to a dev camp. You want to catch their eye and... You know, if you play a heavy defensive physical game, the only really way to do that is by playing strong defense and then by laying the body every now and then. So I understand what he was going for, but I also think that people over kind of overestimate what development camp really is. Like this, we're not talking about him throwing a hit like this in training camp or in preseason or something like that. Like the, the whole point of development camp is to bring all the rookies together, get them a feeling comfortable and accustomed to the yeah. league have them spend time with each other. Like you saw all the Leafs prospects where, where they were cooking this week. They, they, were went to, they went to the Ripley's Aquarium. I saw a video of the Canucks prospects at their development camp. They're all climbing a mountain together. Like it's almost like going to summer camp in a sense. Mm -hmm. so, team bonding. Yeah, it's team bonding. So I, I don't see the point to go out and hit someone to the point where they get a concussion. And I'm sure he wasn't trying to give Hirvin in a concussion. But when you lay a massive open ice hit like that, like that's not – like. Like that—that's not going to get you a contract. Mm -hmm. Like laying one big open ice hit. Like I don't care how old some of these GMs are and how stuck in like former former eras they might be, but I just don't see any players or sorry any teams giving out contracts simply because players are throwing a big hit in the development camp game. Like I understand you're trying to show, I'm not trying to show off. I understand you're trying to show what you're capable of and what you can bring, but. Like for an open ice hit like that in a development camp, I, I don't think it was necessary. We're all going to eat our words when uh, Trey living goes and signs uh, Dillingham to a Marley's contract after this. But um, no, I, I agree with you guys. I, I think there is a, uh, a common misconception about, you know, what development camp is, as you mentioned, Alex um, it's, you know, you are there to get recognized and noticed, but at the same time, you're not there to try and smash somebody's head in. At the same time, you know, I, I, I went back and watched the video a few times here, and I just 
I, I do think like if you watch Dillingham, his, his feet weren't really moving. I think he was kind of caught by surprise that he had the opportunity to lay a check like that. Um, and obviously there was no malice intent. Like he wasn't trying to injure the kid or anything like that. But at the same time, um, as opposed to what Reservoir Dogs thinks, um, you know, Hervinen is one of the the top prospects within the Leafs organization when it comes to forward depth. And to to see him go down with a concussion in a year that he's supposed to make that next step in in his development um, obviously hurts the hurts the team it hurts uh you know ronnie hervin and and i think you know it's it's for when you're talking about dillingham i think you know it just kind of puts you on that spot where the team looks at it and says you know obviously this guy doesn't have the wherewithal to, to know who he's who he's hitting maybe and 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 maybe that that plays against him so i i think i mentioned it in my piece i think you know i think he'll be looking for a contract elsewhere i don't think toronto goes out and signs somebody like that afterwards but you know, it's a kid out there trying to do his job, and his job is is a physical defenseman. And if I if you look back on his numbers when he played with Sarnia, it's it's you know he's not a guy that's known for his offense. He's a guy that's known for his physicality, and and he did exactly what he he knows how to do. And unfortunately, the the result is what it is. But um, I think for people to go out and basically call for this guy's head on a platter i mean you know it's it's still development camp this guy guy is still trying to trying to play for a mm-hmm. spot and unfortunately you know what happened happened and hopefully hervinen is it's not as serious as it looked and uh he bounces back and has a big season for the marlies so i think that's where we're all I, i'm glad we're kind of all on the same page because obviously like i said that's a very polarizing topic when it comes to you know the conversation surrounding it so like he didn't—he um, didn't go out and slew foot him in the corner or something. No, yeah, no. It, wasn't, it wasn't like he was being dirty. It was just, P- know. you know, PK Slewban. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, like, like, like we touched on. Like there was no malice intent there. Again, he just stood his ground. But at the same time, again, given the situation that they were in and how Alex said, you know, it was there to like you know develop, you know, grow as a group. Is that really the right time compared to closer to the season when that is the case? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously like, you know, if this is a guy that's vying for a spot, like, and you're talking about, you know, uh, you know, you know, he's stepping into a couple of preseason games or what have you, like maybe, th- maybe then we're having a different conversation, but like, mm-hmm. I just think, you know, time and place, right. Time and yeah. place. But um, anyways, before we, uh, before we move on to our next topic here, boys, just a quick word from our presenting sponsors, the Indie Ale House. Um, the dog days of summer are back and with it, um, so are the rumors, I guess. So let's say rumors, uh, <laughs> surrounding some of the contracts that we'll be seeing, um, getting ready for a night out or watching some of this hockey content or baseball for that matter at home with the gang. What better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at Indie Ale House in Toronto with two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto at Bay and Bloor, the Biroteca location. They have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Keel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag live indie is the motto adventurous fun focused beers with a selection for everyone from healthy dose of in your face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream pilsners and easy drinking options. Indie Ale House is the go to for game day. Visit www.indialehouse.com today to place your orders. And boys, um, speaking of adventures and adventurous uh, beer drinkers. There's an article out there about John Klingberg and the adventures that the Toronto Maple Leafs are uh, in line for when it comes to a player like John Klingberg. And Alex, I mentioned to Peter off the top of the show here before we got going. Um, it almost reminds me of the the aura that surrounded a player like Jake Gardner and always making those risky moves and those those plays that you're like holding your breath for. And, um, you know, uh, one of those guys that keeps you on your the edge of your seat, even though he's maybe not for the right reasons. Um, so Peter, before we throw it to Alex, what are your thoughts on John Klingberg? Is he going to be a guy that uh, gives me a heart attack at the age of 35 or what are we, what are we, what are we looking at here? 
I mean, I look at it as the more offensive version of probably Justin Hall, where maybe the defense is probably still a big question mark, but you know what you're getting from him offensively, the transitional game, getting pucks on that, and that's going to be key. Um, you know, you want to alleviate some of that pressure off Morgan Riley because it seemed like he was always trying to carry the offense so much, and although he doesn't have or he doesn't shoot as often on the power play, you need pucks on net, and Klingberg is able to do that, whether you know it's actually – finding the back of the net or getting second or third opportunities with deflections, uh, rebounds, what have you. He knows how to do that. That's what he's going to be relied on with this Maple Leafs team, getting all the more more power play time, getting more looks in the offensive zone. Obviously, the big issue is defense. I mean, whether he is aggressive with the pinches, um, you know, jumping up into the play too much and then getting caught. Um it definitely is going to be a whirlwind, but it's one that it's been expected or, you know, you know the sense of it ever since that, you know, his time uh, with the uh, Dallas Stars where it was always a roller coaster, especially after he had that, you know, 67 point season. Everything started to dip and tail after that, where that was kind of like the highlight. And then all the inconsistencies started to come in. Health was a bit of an issue and a factor, and I think maybe he was trying to do a bit too much. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that maybe he can try and find a little bit more consistency where he's not much of a nervous wreck in his own end or like getting the fans on their seat. Hopefully he is able to come around and have a little bit more uh, of a bit of an effort and within his own end where maybe it's not as bad as we seem or as bad as it seems, but you know you're getting offense from him. It's not the defensive game that he was brought in for. It's it's that, that dynamicism and mobility from the back end. Alex, your thoughts on, you know, is this a guy that we have to worry about? Is he a Justin, more offensive Justin Hall? Or is, are we looking at maybe a guy that, the same guy that the Dallas Stars were willing to throw money at uh, just a couple of years ago? I think it's the same guy the Stars are willing to throw money at. And, you know, you could say that's a biased take because he's signed with the Leafs now. But overall, what I think is that the fact that, you know, he played in Anaheim last year, I think is really kind of swaying what people think about him because Anaheim mm-hmm. was a really mm-hmm. bad hockey team. And when you're when you're playing for a team that bad and you have no support around you, your mistakes are going to be – they're, they're going to glow. And Luke Fox does make a good point in that, you know, the mistakes that he made in Anaheim are not going to fly the same way that they would have in Anaheim uh, when he's in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But got to remember that at this guy's best, he is like a 50 to 60 point player. I don't know if he'll be exactly that in Toronto, but I think as long as they're getting 40, 45 plus points out of him, which he's absolutely capable because he mentioned he'd be getting power play time. So you'd have to imagine if they plan on stacking up the the units again, he's going to get time on that top power play unit and he's got a better shot than Morgan Riley. He's generally, I think just a better power play quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. And I do think that there are going to be some concerns to be had about his defensive game. But if you stick up with someone defensively responsible, like a Duke McCabe, I really don't think that it's going to be that much of an issue. I think he'll, he'll obviously have some giveaways here and there and he'll have some moments that'll make us bang our heads and like, you know, I'm not going to deny that he can be a frustrating player, but at the same time, I think that the lack of offense they had from the back end last year, considering Mark Giordano was the second highest scoring, if you're not counting Eric Gustafson anyways, but if, if you're not counting him, Mark Giordano was the second highest scoring defenseman after Morgan Riley, who himself didn't have a good year offensively. So I think they really need some increased offense from the back end, and Klingberg's going to help with that. Yeah, I, I think the obviously you touched on Luke Fox's article. The, the comment that people are focused on is uh, Minnesota based writer, Michael Russo from the athletic uh, said one of the scariest defensemen I've ever watched uh, man does. He takes some unbelievable risks that put his team in tough positions. Um, at the same time, you got true living that came out and said, he's an elite offensive player. Uh, and then you had Ryan Reeves who also played in Minnesota saying he was great. I thought he got up and down the ice very well. He's a guy who can break out the puck by himself very well. He brings the puck up the, up into the offensive zone. It, um, if there's a turnover, he skates so well that he can get back and support the D man. He's very good on the power play, holds the puck and drags it across the blue line very well. He can really power, uh, he can really power play it up there. Uh, so I think he's going to be good for the power play. So, I mean, you're not talking about a guy that's going to eat up 
25 minutes a game. And I think that's got to be the focus as well. Like, you know, you already have Morgan Riley. He's going to be kind of the guy that he's, he's still your guy. He's still the, the, the forefront of your defensive core. Klingberg's there as a supporting role. And I mean, for, for a guy like Reeves who sat on the bench and did watch a lot of the game, to, to come out with those comments. I mean, he saw it from a different perspective than other people as well. So for him to have those comments, I mean, obviously he's, he's standing up for a teammate as well, but at the same time, I think, you know, you can have, as you mentioned, Alex, you can have him paired up with a guy like, you know, a, a Jake McCabe and, and maybe that solidifies his game a little bit better because you know, McCabe's going to be back there or even a, a TJ Brody, because you know, Brody's going to be that defensive stalwart that he has been in his time in Toronto as well. So I think there's a lot of possibilities here. Um, and hell I'm, I'm signing up for this adventure. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the adventure. So <laughs> we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I'll probably be cursing him within two weeks of this, the start of the season, but uh, you know, for now I'm, I'm all for, for an adventure with uh, John Klingberg. I just want to say one quick thing. It's interesting that Reeves was able to give that glowing review of him with the defensive game. I mean, what better way than, you know, obviously he played with New York, but he had more time with the Minnesota wild than Klingberg did. And if he's saying that, you know, he's showing that work ethic and mentality to get back and hustle and at least make the attempt to counteract those mistakes. I think that's good clarity of where we stand on with Klingberg because at least he's, you know he's not going to be flat-footed. You know he's going to have the speed to get back and help out. I think this could be very huge. If uh, if what I, I mean, obviously, reasons given that it has to be it it, it, sh- it should be true. Otherwise, he wouldn't just be saying that. Yeah, no, and and that's what I loved about it too. Is like, I mean, you got a guy who I, I think Revo is going to be great for this team. I think Revo is going to be great in Toronto. I think like yeah. the way he sees the game, it's like it's like a catcher in baseball, man. Like if you have a guy that that maybe doesn't play the minutes that, you know, a top line guy does. He sees the game from a different perspective. Those are the guys that make the best coaches in the end because they've had a chance to watch the game from the outside as well. So I, to get that, that scouting report, I think it's, you know, it's, it's different from a guy like Michael Russo who might be, you know, up in the room and, and that's not discrediting Michael Russo. I mean, he's a great, great scribe as well, but um, you know, a guy playing the game, being in the room, um, knowing what the guys are looking for to, to come out and say what he did about Klingberg. I think, you know, it takes a little bit away from this whole idea that he's, he's just a risky, um, you know, I don't, I don't know, risky defensive player that, you know, doesn't risk really high have reward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, last note guys, before we shut it down for the week, uh, Ilya Samsonov just came out. Uh, his arbitration day is July 21st. He's the only guy that's, going filing for arbitration on the second day of arbitration meetings. What are we going to be seeing from Ilya Samsonov? Are we talking about uh, an affordable deal for the least long-term? Are we talking about a guy that maybe, you know, we're looking at two, three years at a higher, higher uh, AAV Peter. What do you got? Uh, what was, what was the Maple Leafs offer? 2.1 million. If I recall. Yeah. I mean, considering that his, you know, um, qualifying offer where i believe was still 1.8 um kind of seems like a bit of an undersell but at the same time you know samsonov this was a year where samsonov wanted to prove himself and i think he really did obviously i think if you want to go like max i to me like before when he was playing well but then the injuries kicked in i thought he was playing for a contract around 4 4.5 because he was playing lights out but that's a bit of a cause for concern for the Maple Leafs. I think maybe you could try and lower that. I think maybe you could have gone higher, maybe to, in the 2.5 to 2.8 range where maybe you do like, you know, another, you know, short-term deal where it's two to three years at that rate. I think it would have been fine, but I think maybe if Amsonoff is looking for a bit of an increase, he definitely deserves it because he showed that on that prove me year deal, he definitely proved himself. Alex, I think it's going to, it's going to depend on, uh, you know, if they can move the Murray contract and uh, Matt Murray, but uh, what are you thinking that we see for uh, Ilya Samsonov when this arbitration is done? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see it come in sort of in the low threes. I think, I think that's probably a a good place to end up because his, his initial contract that he could have gotten with the capitals, I believe was, was it 3.5? 
And that's yeah, I think I think it was three point five. Yeah, something like that. And the Caps didn't want to pay that contract because he didn't he hadn't proven that <clears throat> the body of work over his career. I think by this point or this season at least, he's proven that he can play at the level of at least a three million dollar goalie. Now I do understand this is something you have to be careful about, so you would want to keep it short term. But I think based on his performance last year, Samsonov's definitely earned another shot in Toronto. Yeah, I, I'm going to say it's going to probably be in the 2.8 to 3.2 range. Um, gives you a little bit of a, a window there for what, I, what I'm expecting. I mean, the kid's uh, still 26 years old, um, so a lot of hockey ahead of him. Um, if you look at his numbers at this point, through 131 regular season games, he's 79, 32, and 13 with a 265 and 908 um, with 10 shutouts as well. So, I mean, his numbers are there, and, and I mean – you're talking about a, a Leafs team that I think their defensive effort over the last few seasons has been undervalued, especially last season. I think they're they're a stronger team defensively than they're given credit for, at least in the regular season. I, you know, you can talk about how different that is come playoff time, but I think everybody's exhausted. You had a 40, 40 something year old Giordano playing the minutes he was playing in the playoffs. So um, that's a conversation that, you know, obviously can be twisted a little bit, but um, I think playing for this team, he's, he's really developed, you know, the numbers that deserve maybe that, that, that 2.8 to $3.2 million range. Um, again, with, with goaltenders, you have to be so careful because we see like, you know, Aiden Hill went out and won a Stanley cup this season for the Las Vegas golden Knights and, and, and helped obviously with Laurent Brosseau as well. But, um, you know, I, I think that's that's they're kind of the running backs of the NHL, right? Like they're they're there are so many options out there, and and all you need is a goalie to have an incredible season, and all of a sudden you're talking about a guy that's making more than maybe he should. And and I'm not referencing Aiden Hill, but he he obviously signed a contract this offseason as well. Um, at the same time, I think Ilya Samsonov is your your middleman right now uh, until you get your guys like. Uh, Arthur Akdiamov and and uh, Vyacheslav Peksa. I think those are your your guys of the future. Those are the guys you're developing. They were at development camp this week. Haley Wickenheiser was saying how both of them were, are are developing well and will play you know next season in in Russia again. But uh, you know I think the conversation needs to be had where we need to develop a goaltender from within the the organization. And right now your middle man is, is Ilya Samsonov and maybe Joseph wall. And, and once you get past that, that's when you want to have your guys that you've drafted, you've developed and, and organizationally, those are your options moving forward. So uh, I, I see him kind of making that, uh, that high two two million, low 3 million kind of range. But uh, obviously it, it's going to depend on what the Leafs can do with uh, Matt Murray and, and, and getting some, some cap relief, I guess, at this point. So, um, boys, just uh, before we close it out here, last word from our wonderful sponsors at DraftKings. Uh, new customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boots Hill Casino and Resort, in West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut. Um, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.com. Uh, sorry, .draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Anyways, boys, um, 
before we close it out here, anything else you wanted to add on the NHL offseason, the Leafs, or what we are looking at going forward? Uh, starting, I believe, tomorrow morning at 5 in the morning, I'm going to be doing a daily <laughs> like cheat sheet almost to the daily puck doku for the Leafs station. So I feel like not doing it the honorable way and cheating, which I can't lie, I've done at least once since the thing has started. Um, go check those out. Beautiful, beautiful. Peter, what do you got coming for us, buddy? Uh, still some more prospect talking the Leafs uh, system. Uh, who should we watch this season? Obviously, you're looking at some of the top names because they're going to be at the forefront this time around and not, you know, playing second fiddle to, you know, other players that are, you know, that were higher up in the, in, like, uh, in the depth chart on their respective junior team. So, the opportunity is there for them to break out and have a massive impact. So look forward to that or writing that up in the coming days. Beautiful. Well, boys, as always, you can follow any of us on Twitter at Andrew G Forbes at a hops and media or at P Barracuni. Uh, you can also check out our socials down on the bottom there. Twitter at sticks in the six pod. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D. Uh, if you're heading out to a concert or any sporting event over the next little while, check out SeatGeek using promo code Sticks in the Six, uh, S T I C K S I N T H E P Six uh, I X, um, and you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchases as well there. Uh, otherwise, make sure you subscribe on YouTube or any of the socials, and be sure to uh, check us out on any of your um, any of your. Uh, podcast streaming platforms that you use uh we're we're on every single one of them otherwise big shout out to thpn for hosting us as always and to indie alehouse for joining joining the podcast and continue to sponsor us throughout the summer until next week boys uh it's been it's been a good one